0: Welcome to the Wild Joy Podcast, where together we will be exploring the many ways we can holistically create greater joy and vibrant health in our lives. My name is Amber, and I'm so grateful you're here with me. So let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Wild Joy Podcast. Today we are... um, talking about and kind of wrapping up the mini series of episodes that we've done talking about stress and the body and the brain and the gut and how they're all kind of wrapped up together. And today we are talking about stress and trauma and how that affects your brain, not only um, maybe mentally or emotionally, but it actually physically affects the structures in your brain. And I am fascinated by this topic because the human brain is... Um, endlessly fascinating to me, I guess. So um, I'm excited to kind of be breaking this down a little bit. Uh, The first thing you need to understand when we talk about this is the basic structure of the brain. There is a lot going on up there, but you can break your brain up into three basic sections. And we call this the triune brain. But um, if you look at the brain, there's the brainstem at the bottom, and this is the most primitive area of the brain. This is what people refer to as the primitive mind. And this is where your body takes your sensory information in, and it's also where your autonomic nervous system is controlled. So your heart rate, body temperature, breathing rate, um situations that you encounter where the hair stands on the back of your neck. This is all autonomic nervous system stuff, the things that happen without your conscious control. You don't have to sit and think about breathing. Your body automatically does it. So your brain stem, the reptilian area of your brain, is where all of this is controlled. And then as you travel up the brain stem, you get to the midbrain, what we refer to as the mammalian brain. This is limbic system stuff. This is where your amygdala, And your hippocampus are located and this is where our brain takes things that we have experienced and stores them as a memory in a little filing cabinet that is your hippocampus and then if you keep moving up we have the prefrontal cortex or the wise mind this is the um, top part of the brain that extends out over into like your forehead area, I guess. And this is where we have the ability to put things into context. It's where our sense of time comes from. It's it's our wise mind. It's where logic and being able to think through things happens up here. So when we experience stress, actually taking a step back, when we experience anything, Our reptilian brain takes it in, sends it to the amygdala in our mammalian brain, in the midbrain, and our amygdala, based on information that the hippocampus has stored, decides whether it sends information back down to the reptilian brain to activate our fight or flight because it's a situation that's not safe for us to continue to be in or it will send the information on up to the wise mind to decide how to best proceed. A side note here before we really dive into how stress and trauma affect the brain is that we also need to be aware that not everybody experiences the same thing as the same kind of stress. So one thing that somebody might interpret or experience as a minor stressor might actually affect a different person as a major stressor or as trauma. And a lot of that has to do with what that person has experienced in life leading up to that moment, what their hippocampus, their amygdala, their mammalian brain has stored as memories about the world around them. So a lot of this starts um, as babies, where the behavior of our caregivers reflected back to us teaches us about the ways in which we interact with people, the ways in which we connect with people. And then as we grow and become more independent and seek out experiences and relationship in our life, those experiences and relationships will either reinforce whatever we received as an infant or challenge that and challenge us to develop new ideas about the world. So back to the brain, when we um, experience stress for long periods of time, it actually changes the physical structure of our brain. An example of what happens when we experience a stressor would be if you are making toast, and this is an example that my yoga teacher uses in all of her trainings, which I think is quite effective, I love it, but um, let's pretend that you're making toast. And you forget about it, so the toast starts to burn a little bit. You smell the toast, you smell the burning, and that information goes from your wise or your um, your reptilian brain, your brainstem, up to your amygdala in your midbrain. And your amygdala will have one of two reactions. One is, oh, it smells like the toast is burning. Uh, Send the signal up to the wise mind to decide how to best proceed, which in which case you would walk into the kitchen, grab an oven mitt, open the oven, take the toast out or the toaster or the toaster oven or whatever. The other way it might react is, oh my gosh, the house is on fire because I smell smoke. I need to get out now. And when that happens, your wise mind, your prefrontal cortex goes offline. So if that is the reaction your brain goes to, it is almost impossible once that activation happens to bring your wise mind back online and say, no, actually, let's stop and think about this. It might not be as big of an emergency. And what determines how your brain reacts is... um, what memories have been stored in your brain. If you've experienced a house fire or if you have lived under long-term stress, you are more likely to think the house is on fire versus going to investigate to see if the toast is burning. When we experience stress and trauma over a long period of time, our amygdala, the place in our midbrain or mammalian brain that decides whether we're sending the information down to the brain stem for fight or flight or up to the wise mind to figure out how to solve it. When we experience uh, long-term stress or trauma, that part of our brain actually gets bigger, physically larger. And as that gets larger, we are more likely to experience and feel stress, As more extreme. At the same time, our prefrontal cortex also shrinks. So not only are we more likely to experience and interpret the stress as an emergency, we're also the structures in our brain that counteract that and are able to tell us to slow down and think it through get smaller. We lose that function. But The good news is that our brains are incredibly resilient, and we can actually reverse this intentionally. Um, There are things you can do to shrink your amygdala, to make your stress response change over time. And we refer to these things as top-down and bottom-up processing. So bottom-up processing are things that will soothe or interrupt the stress message that your are Um, reptilian brain that your brainstem are sending up to your amygdala. Things like exercise or vigorous movement or um, caffeine will actually change the frequency at which your brainstem is operating. Um, They generally tend to activate or invigorate or energize in certain ways. This is why uh, people who are recovering from an addiction or um, some other habit find a lot of success in developing an exercise regimen because it interrupts those stress messages going from the brainstem to the amygdala. So that's bottom up processing. And then we have top-down processing, which which uh, involves the wise mind, things like journaling or drawing or um, talking through things, or meditating require activation in your prefrontal cortex that then has a calming effect that will then calm your midbrain, your brainstem, and your body. Both of those are great things, but the really cool thing to know is that when you are able to do both... At the same time, such as a yoga class that incorporates mindfulness and meditation. So um, it really is an intentional cultivation of that in a yoga class. Not every yoga class will give you that. But when you're able to incorporate both bottom up and top down processing, your brainstem and your prefrontal cortex are activated and it soothes your midbrain, your amygdala, and allows it to go offline and relax. And that's when it will actually physically shrink. That is when you're building your brain's resiliency to meet stress or adversity and be able to problem solve and put it into context and and work your way through it instead of always thinking the house is on fire. Um, So that is why, if you've ever taken one of my yoga classes, I always start with meditation. I always end with some form of meditation or mindfulness, and it is also woven throughout the entire class. Um, When you have a chance to move your body intentionally and reflect on it, you are getting that bottom-up, top-down processing. And there are other ways to do this, um, and there are ways that you can achieve similar results that might not be as healthy. Uh, I mentioned caffeine. I don't recommend upping your caffeine intake and then trying to meditate in order to achieve this. It's not going to work very well. Um, but I encourage you to experiment with these different things because one of the things about long-term stress is that we don't often realize that it's affecting us until it has affected us a whole lot. That's what that's why, breaking points are a thing. We shoulder things or ignore them for a long time until they have built up enough to not just be small stressors, but now it's exploded into something much larger. So if that is something that has happened to you, that's not necessarily a failure on your part. It is an opportunity to look back and examine the things that have contributed to this in your life. If you haven't reached a breaking point yet, which I think a lot of us are looking at the possibility of as we live through this pandemic for longer periods of time, um, use this as a preventative measure. It is stressful. We're all experiencing this stress differently. But if you are someone that is actually kind of thriving with a slower pace or more downtime, you may use this opportunity to kind of boost your brain's resiliency and ability to meet stress with a greater sense of steadiness or calm. Um, And if you're not one of those people that is experiencing the pandemic that way and it's super stressful and you're really just making it hour by hour at this point, know that you can practice these things without a 60 to 90 minute yoga class, you don't have to sit down on your meditation cushion every morning for an hour in order to see benefits, right? Like That's not very doable for many of us. If you've got kids, if you are somebody that is an essential worker and you're still working, you may not have that much time in your day to take to yourself. So I also really want you to know that This is something that you can cultivate in five to 10 minute increments. Find opportunities throughout your day. If you get a 15 minute break at work and it's not your break to also eat or something like that, use it as an opportunity to go for a walk around the block and move your body, but also use it as an opportunity to be mindful. How does it feel as each part of your foot touches the ground as you walk? How does it feel to move through space and notice the air as it brushes past your skin? Or the sound of the birds singing? Or the feel of sunlight warming you where it comes into contact with your skin? So there are small ways in which to engage in bottom-up, top-down processing to help build your resiliency to trauma and stress, to help heal the effects of the trauma and stress that you've already experienced. So not all hope is lost. You don't need fancy props or lots of time or the perfect space in order to see these benefits. So if this is something you're interested in learning more about, there is There are so many rabbit holes on Google to go down here, but if you're the kind of person that would like to work with somebody to do this, please know that I am doing that work with people right now. I am also launching a Marco Polo channel at the beginning of June, which is a group coaching platform where for $14.99 a month, you... Uh, receive coaching from me in a group setting. And this is one of the things that we will be working through. And if you don't like groups, I am also available for one-on-one coaching. I hope that no matter where you are while you're listening to this, that it reaches you and brings you a sense of calm or a sense of hope, and that you know that no matter how you are working or moving through this crazy, crazy time, there is no right or wrong. There is only what is best for you. And I hope that you are finding time to explore that a little bit. Have a fantastic day, and I will talk to you soon. You've been listening to me, Amber, and the Wild Joy Podcast. Come find me online on Instagram and Facebook as Wild Joy Amber, or reach out by sending an email to wildjoyamber at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in and stay healthy, my friends.